As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Right then, coming up on this one, the Chicago Bulls in 96, Usain Bolt's Jamaica, the perfect 98 Yankees, the Invincible Dolphins in 72, Uh, the Australian cricket team at the turn of the century, maybe even St Helens in Rugby League around 2006. As Manchester City win the treble, which team has had the best season ever in men's sporting history? Is it possible to be too good to be cherished? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. You know, I was just going to come out and play and focus on basketball and block everything else out. Three on three, George Paul! The Chicago Bulls, winning six in the championship. Brocious, fittingly with a throw, and the Yankees have done it again. Number 24. It's 2 now. It's Messi. Champions League Football Club. To get the trouble in the first time is, is marvelous. Doing two trebles with two different teams. This is the best coach I've ever seen. So we're joined today by the Athletics Adam Crafton and Jack Pitbrook. Manchester City winning their first Champions League at the weekend alongside the Premier League and the FA Cup. Uh, And the focus of today's pod is a piece on The Athletic that now looks at where City's treble ranks. We've spoken to loads of our writers across the globe. So where does City's dominant season rank in comparison? But we're not just looking at football, we're looking at other sports down the years. As I say, Adam and Jack are with us. I kind of see no relevance in ranking teams, even teams across other sports, because I think it's so personal. Having said that, just before we hit record, Adam started dissing the West Indies team of 1984, which is on this list, and that infuriated me. But do you know what I mean, Jack? It is, it is very personal, isn't it? Yeah, it's very personal, and it's also very, very, very difficult to evaluate. Like, I'm sure we'll come on to this later, but even comparing Manchester City of this season with, say, Manchester United 1999, with Barcelona of 2009, or Barcelona of 2011, is very, very difficult. One, because 
are you just doing it on the basis of performance level or consistency or longevity or like aesthetic factors or do you take into like to what extent do you take into account account context you know clearly Manchester City operating in a different context than Manchester United were in 1999 financially in terms of the structure of the game in terms of the resources available to them and that has to be factored in as well and so with all these there is just so much going on that the idea that you can boil this stuff down into a simple ranking is obviously very silly yeah that's the other thing isn't it with Jack's point Adam about time and era and, and so on and so forth. And throughout the course of this podcast, we're going to get a frightening reminder of just how much older I am than you, which you, you wouldn't necessarily believe to look at us, but such is the way of life. But I, I kind of think, I, I sort of think United's treble in 99 is the same era. <laughs> and it most definitely isn't. No. Well, yes and no. Because it, it's not. It's do not. Do you not think it's kind of... No. The Sky TV era. No. No? No. No. Okay, fair enough. Um, it feels a bit like that to me, but I suppose it's different. I think the way we consume things makes things different because of, you know, whereas I suppose maybe 25 years ago, 40 years ago, you would see, you wouldn't necessarily see everything, would you? You know, you, you might see the best of, in some ways, the best of what happened. Cricket's probably an exception to that in that, it's probably more accessible now in many ways. Sorry, more accessible before to to a larger audience in the UK because of terrestrial viewing. But I I, th- I think it is very difficult to compare. I suppose I find the Man City Man United comparisons very difficult in the sense of I think City are a better team. I think Man United is maybe was maybe a, just a more dramatic story at the time, right? It, you know, when you talk about the kids that came through together and, you know, not having won it since Busby won it and all of that kind of thing. But in the same way, Man City fans would say, well, look at the story since Gillingham in 1999 and look at the journey that we've been on. So I think so much of it is personal, subjective and and context. That's why I come back, Jack, to to it being individual. And therefore, I, I was in the, uh, new camp, Camp New, depending on how hipster you are, in 99 with my dad, having been watching United with my dad since I was eight years old. And I was 26 that year in 99. And whatever any other team does, and ha- however they perform, and whoever ranks who in whatever list, nobody will ever be able to take away how special that night was for me and my dad. And that's all that matters. That's why we're all in sport, isn't it? For for those personal moments. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why that's why the ranking that's why ranking this stuff is so pointless. Because it's uh it's not, you know, no no nothing that any team could ever achieve down the line could ever dilute or erode the 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 specific memories and emotional attachment that, that you and many other Manchester United fans would have to those to that specific event. Just like no nothing that could happen down the fu- in the future either could detract from how difficult and unlikely that was in the at the time that Manchester United would do that. Like it's like football has changed so much in the last sort of twenty five years that and now I think United's achievement does it, it does feel very much of another era, but in the sense that 
they they didn't have the resources. I know people are saying, oh yeah, but they bought they bought York and they bought coal and all that, but they didn't have the resources behind them that modern teams do, and that means that it was so unlikely. And that unlikeliness, I think, is what what will kind of sustain it through history. Uh, above and beyond, uh, you know, things that other teams have done since then. It, maybe it's more interesting if you're the professional sportsman or woman in all of this, Adam, because on Cup final day, I was with both Peter Schmeichel and Yapstam, and I remember saying to both of them separately, but whatever happens here doesn't take away from your achievement and your feelings in that year. And Schmeichel kind of went, no, 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 I suppose not, blah, blah. And Yapstam just gave me a look in, Oh no, I I I still want to be part of the only team to have done the treble in, in England. And he gave me one of those looks, and I thought, yeah, that fair enough. If that if that's how you feel, and and different sportsmen and women will feel different about their achievements. You know, some people believe records are there to be broken. Some people want to hold on to those records for as long as they can. Yeah, totally. I I, th- I think that generation of Man United players really care actually about the fact that that, yeah. that they were the only team that the only English team that had the treble. Um, partly because of the great commercial value that they seem to get out of it, but also, I, th- I think there is a kind of a standaloneness to it, and a you know we did something that nobody else has uh, had ever done, and nobody's really ever come that close until this year. It's not like we've had situations where you know teams have been one breath away and and all of that kind of thing. You've, I think there was the year wasn't last time City were in the Champions League final. Had they won the Carabao Cup that year? Feels like they always win the Carabao yes, probably. Cup. Probably more than more than that. It's a yeah, safe so, bet to assume this. Yes, yeah. but not yeah. but not right. the FA Cup. But, they, but it, yes, so it wasn't the FA yeah. Cup, so it would have been wouldn't have been real. Um, and another and asterisk. Can I just say um, at this point, if and, you're a Liverpool fan, we're well aware that you won a sort of treble of your own. Yeah, and and that's uh, that's about fifty sixth on the rankings of the greatest ever seasons <laughs> um, in sporting history. Um, so, so, I, so I do think the Man United fans, uh, sorry, Man United players from that generation, I think they were really stung by it. And you were almost, it would almost got to the point where you could see some of them over the last few weeks coming out and saying, but if any team was going to take this from us, you know, then let it be this incredible Guardiola team. It always started to evolve to that, to that level of acceptance beyond the grief of it and almost forward thinking that it was definitely going to happen. I do think one of the, one of the interesting things is that there had, become almost an expectation over the past six weeks or so that City would win the treble. And I don't know that you always get that with these great, great seasons. That There tends to be an element of jeopardy and risk and surprise. But that's only really, if you think about it, the last four or five weeks. Because you know, if you'd asked most people in February who was going to win the Premier League title, people were saying Arsenal. People really thought Arsenal were going to win the Premier League title. If you'd have said after City lost against Tottenham in January and Pep was... I think the week before he'd been coming out and questioning whether the players have got the, you know, the drive to go and win another title, never mind a treble. So I do think there's been more jeopardy in this season, perhaps, than the last few weeks makes us think. And I also thought there was a pretty large amount of jeopardy in the final itself, in the fact that City were as bad as I've ever seen them in a big game. It, you know, in terms of the amount of chances they gave the opposition, how many chances they created themselves, that made it a better story for me actually, that they had to sort of grind it out over the FA Cup final and Champions League final. Yeah, I mean, I kind of half agree. I, I think that I think that City, the way that City play and the way that City dominate teams means that that kind of 
that capacity to have these like thrillingly dramatic and unlikely comebacks which characterized the Manchester United team in 1999 isn't there like this like the the standout performances for city this season was real madrid at home in the champions league which i think is one of the the best i've ever seen an english team play in europe i think probably one of the best I've ever seen an English team play ever, probably, in any competition. The games against Arsenal in the league, where they swatted them aside, I thought that the game against Arsenal in the Premier League at the Etihad Stadium was brutal, really, in terms of City's dominance. And it's a ama- it, like it is really quite something to watch them when they're when they're playing like that and how they don't give. You know, Arsenal, are the Arsenal are a brilliant team. Real Madrid have been a brilliant team for the last ten years, and City just didn't let them into the game at all. But that that is just very different from, you know, if you think Man United 98-99, you know, Juventus, Arsenal in the FA Cup, the fight, the Champions League final itself, you know, tons of other games that I've kind of purged from my memory. Like, there was something kind of dramatic and thrilling about the the way that they came back into these games. And I'm sure City fans will say, yeah, but, you know, the, the way they won the league last season, beating Aston Villa in the second half at the Etihad Stadium, when if they hadn't done that, then obviously Liverpool would have won the title. So they have had moments like that, but generally the City's, City's total dominance and stifling control and their the huge the gulf that exists between them and every other team that's currently playing football at the moment anywhere in the world is so big that it's um it does just feel a bit less dramatic i think this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you think of what a great sporting team is, what criteria would you take into account? How, what, what, what makes it great for you? I think it's a mixture of show-stopping talent, individuals that make you want to buy a ticket, to go and watch it it's that thing of you know if you could buy a ticket to watch any team in in sporting history who would it be I think that's probably how you answer this question because it's that's how personal and subjective it is it's if I could give you well now it would probably you know what $100 go and buy a ticket for anyone in the world where you're going to go and I think so I think those those are the factors I also think the intangibles the the I think if you think that sport is about jeopardy and character and coming back from knockbacks and rebounding um, and maybe overcoming setbacks, which, you know, to be fair, there is an element of that story with City and the amount of times they've not won the Champions League um, as well. I know it's not the same as coming back from a goal down with a minute to go in a Champions League final. I'd say those are the, those are the blend of things that I look for. I think I'd add um, a, a, achieving something which has never been achieved before so, for example, you know, the obvious ones being Man United winning the treble, Arsenal, Arsenal's unbeaten season, Manchester City getting 100 points in 1718, uh, which kind of gets lost a bit now because City won five titles out of six, but that was a huge achievement at the time and still is. And that was a big thing for Guardiola that season. Yeah, what, huge, wasn't it? huge. Because it kind of it gave that team a tag. Yeah. I'd also add changing the way that the game is played, you know, playing the game in a way that ha- it has not been played before. And uh, hopefully leave, and maybe even leaving some sense of legacy in the sense of other teams wanting to adopt that. And you see, you know, obvious example being Barcelona under Pep. So can I d- defer here to the to the old the older 
gentleman on the podcast. Hello. Ha, ha, <laughs> is it is it you know when people say the game's being played differently to its ever, to what it's ever been played in your lifetime? Would you mm. say that that's true of Manchester City? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think there are I think there are elements that that do feel very very different, and and it, it, it maybe in previous seasons I haven't necessarily thought that, but I do think what has happened with originally when he tried it with Carl Walker and Rico Lewis, and then what he's tried with John Stones. Genuinely, look, I'm all, all the usual. Type, I'm sure Michael Cox will be on. So no, it you know happened in 1960. Four or something, but well, and that's that's bowing to his grace and knowledge, not taking the mick. But I, I can't think. I don't know, Jack. I can't think of somebody who has done something so different in my time of watching the game. And I go back to, you know, when Alan Hunter was coming to the end as a pundit on, on Match of the Day was not far off when I was starting, and Alan Hansen would would say to me, you know, there's nothing new. You know, playing someone in the hole is not new. Liverpool in the 70s and 80s, everybody thought it was 4-4-2, but it wasn't 4-4-2 because Beardsley would drop off or Dalglish would drop off or Keegan or whatever. So there was there was always there was always a subtlety to how Liverpool's formation in the 70s and 80s. But I, I can't recall anybody doing what Guardiola has done with the inverted fullback or inverted centre, whatever you want to call it. I, I just, that does seem new. The amount of people that have copied it as well, right? Yeah. Everyone, everyone is copy, copying it. And as ev- and just as everyone's copying it, he's on to the next thing, which is turning John Stones into like Zidane. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were moments in the Champions League final the other night where you're just like, the guy's literally forgotten he was ever a defender. Yeah. Some of the things he's doing outside the Inter Milan box. It was ridiculous. So I do think not only coming up with things, but continually evolving and almost being on to the next thing, just as everyone else is just about understanding what you you were doing 18 months ago. The way that not just City, but also Pep's Bayern and Pep's Barca have played in the last 14 years, 15 years, sorry, has completely changed football. You know, if you look look back to football in the, in the mid-2000s, it was completely different. Like the idea that big teams would dominate the ball like this, you know, they would want to have 60, 70% possession. They would want to have, you know, defenders who were primarily there to play out from the back to the way that you know they would squeeze the pitch by defending on on the halfway line it's very very new like it's still new in terms of the evolution of football it is still new to have teams playing this way and I think because Pep has been so kind of hegemonic over the last 15 years we've got incredibly used to it but it's not normal to have to, you know, if you, I think it was my uh, our, my friend John Bruin who tweeted during the Europa League final, um, which is an unwatchable game, like literally unwatchable game oh, between Roma oh, and Sevilla. Terrible. And he he tweeted something like, "To all you young viewers out there, this is what European football used to be like twenty years ago, and it did. Like it it did used to be that." that tough to watch but I think Guardiola main and you can see and this is like demonstrably provable through possession statistics like he his teams play in a way that other t- that no teams have played in the past which is why going back to our argument off air 
the West Indies of 1984, Adam, were so different and so important. And and there's an element here with these great teams, one of doing something different. Nostalgia, I think, plays a big part. So that was the first test match I'd ever gone to. For American listeners, we're talking cricket. So it, that was uh, the first test match that I'd ever been to. I'd never seen anything like it. I can still name that West Indies team off the top of my head without having to look at notes or anything like that. The sheer pace battery, whilst that had been pace bowling before the Australians had had it with Lily and Thompson. The the sheer numbers and height and pace of all of these West Indians combined with some amazing batting talent made them like nothing I had ever seen before in my life. And and that's the legacy, isn't it? Yes. The the legacy the legacy is playing the game in a way which has never been played before. Re- like making people want to watch your team mm. specifically and then down the line everybody like Sporting imitators, and of course, no one can be the same. But if you didn't have that West Indian team, I don't think, like, I think it's you know, you can draw a line between that and say the Australian team of the 90s, who you know, of the late 90s, obviously didn't have quite so much in terms of pace bowling, and they did have Shane Warne, but they could be really, really aggressive. You know, they were, you know, if you look at, say, Adam Gilchrist, for example, who transformed the role of the wicketkeeper batsman in Test cricket, I don't like his. The kind of commitment to aggression and high scoring, I don't think would necessarily and f- scoring quickly in test matches. I don't, which now again like seems really normal. It's what everybody tries to do. I don't think it would that have been possible without the way the West Indies changed the game in the nineteen eighties. I don't know. But also with that Australian team, no, nobody, nobody else, may, maybe India and Pakistan on the subcontinent, but nobody else was looking for leg spinners. Nobody else wanted a leg exactly, spinner. Yeah, yeah. And Shane Warne completely changed that, and now everybody wants. People have spent twenty five years thinking we've got to find our we've got yeah. to find our Shane Warne. Chappers, I was surprised. I thought you were going to nominate Lancashire's team in nineteen ninety six that won the Benson Hedges <laughs> and the Nat West. We are hemorrhaging US audience <laughs> with, with every second here. Chappers, explain to our listeners who. Uh, Warren Hegg, yep. Glenn Chappell, Peter Martin, <laughs> Ian Austin. Ian Austin. What a remarkable cricketer Ian Austin was. If you are American listener, just just Google Ian Austin for what a remarkable cricketer. <laughs> yeah. Ian Austin actually, like, with all, I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a mean way at all, but Ian Austin actually looks like a baseball player. So to American pla- <laughs> yes. American listeners, he could be identifiable as like a big designated hitter, first baseman. <laughs> to be fair, Adam, there are a lot of American sides on this list. I mean, like where, where I would just go, really? I mean, I've got no, I mean, obviously Chicago balls I completely get but I mean I think Nebraska are on there I mean geez god I've absolutely no idea what I mean I've read read every I've no idea what Nebraska did I'm happy to be I'm happy to be uh, educated on that The, the interesting thing with the American ones and this is just a and overall this is not you know NFL I do a lot of NFL but NFL basketball baseball is arguably there is more of a level playing field because of the way the system works. Now, you do, you can pay luxury taxes, can't you? In, not in NFL, but in some of those if you want to spend more money. But arguably, there is more of a level playing field. Do, do either of you think that makes a difference? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I do in the sense of, you know, that there is an argument that Manchester City's success has been inevitable to a certain extent. And I know that we can, you know, you could say... Well, look at the way that PSG is being run. That makes it absolutely not inevitable because you still have to make really, really good decisions and all of that kind of thing. Um, but there is there is essentially a point at which money should talk. Still waiting for it to talk at Manchester United after 10 years of <laughs> billion pound transfer windows. I do understand that argument. You know, it's why I would all, it's why I would put Leicester City season ahead of either Manchester United or Manchester City. 
to be honest, in 99 or this year because it just appended everything we've come to expect about the jeopardy of, of, of modern football. It, it, it was There was no logic to it. From a, from the point of view of if we if we're told that wage bill is king that transfer spend is king, uh, then it, it didn't make sense. So, so for me, I would choose that as the the stunning season, um, the extraordinary season. That doesn't mean that they're the best team, but I do think it was the best season. Although interestingly, they they what we're saying is they they just won one competition. All the American teams only go for one competition as well. It's not like there's a there's a Carabao Cup along. Not there's anything wrong with the Carabao Cup because I present it. But uh, this is not like a Carabao Cup alongside the Super Bowl, Jack. Yeah, interesting to hear Adam say that about Leicester. I'm not sure I really agree, just because it feels, it felt so. I mean, it still does feel so random. I think that I know it's it's much harder to win a, a league a league tournament through randomness than than a, a cup competition. But in terms of the city. In terms of what Adam said about City, like clearly, you can't separate. Like you, ob- this is so obvious. I can't believe you need to say it, but you actually do sometimes. You can't separate the City's achievements from the money that they've spent. And we're not even talking about you know the 115 charges. We're talking about even assuming as even assuming innocence on those points. The fact is they've spent up upwards of two billion pounds since they've been taken out taking over, and that is the 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 amazing quality of the team and the football they play is completely inseparable from the money that they've spent, even if we think they've spent this money fairly. And it blows my mind when people come out and say, oh, no, Like if you watch how they play, you can tell that they're actually good because of Guardiola, not because of the money. And I think, like, how do, how can people how can people say that? How can people think that the money is separable from Guardiola or that, one, like, as if Guardiola is kind of sufficient in himself and that the money isn't, isn't sufficient... Uh, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. Just, just a point on the um, the US European thing. It always blows my mind. Like what we just said there about there being only one competition. You know, with footballers, we just constantly talk about there is so much football. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And the Americans are like, yeah, we'll just have one one competition. That'll do. And you would think, surely they would be doing Carabao cups over there. Come on, Carabao. The the, yeah, the, 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 the other thing with it is there's actually more of the year without the NFL than there is with the NFL. You know, the off-season is longer than the actual season, which, again, is just highly unusual in any sport. But certainly, less is more doesn't feel particularly American either. But And then they have other things built in over the course of that off-season to keep the interest going, like like draft and so on and so forth. But we we never pause, do we? over here and even less so nowadays and again (laughs) sounded like an old man it that does feel i mean in england report for england men report for training this week i'll be i mean the city players are going to be seen double surely when they arrive they're not gonna be able to walk in a straight line did you see jack Grealish walking off the plane no i haven't consumed a great deal of media this weekend (laughs) (laughs) i mean he really wasn't walking in a straight line (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but they're not. I mean, it's, immediately it's on to the next thing, isn't it? On to the next thing. Yeah, and I think that is another thing that makes this talk, this sort of discussion around seasons in different sports is another element of it. So one of our colleagues, Liam Tharm, wrote about the Jamaican track team in 2012. Now, there is an argument because of the rarity of Olympic Games, a bit like World Cups, you could say, as well. Yeah. 
the, the pressure that that brings, the expectation that that brings. You know, you get a shot at the Champions League once every year. You, it's, it, you know, it's always there for you. Whereas the Olympics is three times, you know, you've probably got two or three cracks at it during your whole career. And I think there is something in that which lends a greater gravitas. So I'm quite convinced, actually, by Liam's argument about the Jamaican track team 2012, when you combine the achievements of everyone that was involved there. I, th- I think that's a pretty good shout. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Just a final one to bring it, bring it back to City. How does Guardiola keep this going, do you both think? And, I, and I, I go forward three years at Manchester United, and admittedly this is Roy Keane in 2002. They'd gone out of the Champions League semi-finals, they'd missed out on a fourth consecutive Premier League title. And he said, the complacency that comes with the kind of success we've enjoyed has caught up with us. Glory, believing the publicity has cost us. Rolex watches, garages full of cars, mansions, set up for life, forgot about the game, lost the game, lost the hunger that got you the Rolex, the cars, the mansion. On the slide, no doubt about it, that's where we are, yesterday's heroes. And they were managed by a very, very, very hungry manager. So how does Guardiola stop that? He's going to have to get rid of some players right. for a start. Like if, if you, like the turning point in City season this year was getting rid of João Cancelo in January, which came complete, which is a complete shock to everyone. Cancelo had obviously been the best player, really, over or one of the best players over the previous eighteen months to basically since post-COVID football. And yet Guardiola didn't like his attitude and sent him off to Bayern Munich. And that I, I get the I kind of feeling that kind of terrified the rest of the players and realizing that they had to knuckle down because no one was safe. So I think now would be the best possible time to, you know, any players on the fringe of that, of that squad or who he wasn't, he wasn't fully sure about. I don't, I don't know who that would be. Maybe it would be Mares. Maybe it would be Laporte. Um, you know, m- maybe other players would just want want for the sake of their careers to go. But I think now is absolutely the best time to get rid of two or three players and and bring a few ones in who are hungry and do want to be a part of this. It's also worth remembering. I mean, Man United didn't really kick on I mean it is strange in the fact that they went on to win the next two Premier Leagues after the treble 
But if you look at actually who they bought in the, the sort of the six months after the treble, I mean, you're talking there about Mark Bosnich, Massimo Taibbi, Mikhail Silvestre and Quinton Fortune. That was their response to, to winning the treble. And he didn't get rid of anyone until, what, Yap Stam about two years later and didn't really replace him very well. So I think their next big buys were, what, two years after winning the treble when they got Varane and Van Nistelrooy to try and go to that next level. So I think City's responsible nat- just because of the way transfer markets have changed and the way that there is just this normalisation of everyone spends at least £100 million every summer now. It, it will, by definition, be different. But yeah, I think Jack's right. The thing that Ferguson didn't do is get is really get rid of anyone. He lost Peter Schmeichel and couldn't replace him. And that was it. Uh, we will end it there. Off to England duty now, Jack? Uh, no, off on paternity leave. Oh, good. So leaving <laughs> oh. England, England duty to other people. Good. I was going to say, fixtures are out this week and then England. It never, ever stops. Uh, thanks, so, Sorry, can, so, Mark, can I just tr- jump in? This is your last podcast with us. I don't want to embarrass you, but oh. it has been an extraordinary privilege and pleasure to be on with you I think I speak for all of us in saying that so a big thank you from all of us and I'm sure the listeners as well oh that's very kind of you thank absolutely thank you very much maybe the final thing I should do on an athletic podcast is name the 1984 West Indies do it cricket team what Greenwich Haynes Gomes uh, Lloyd Richards Dujon Baptiste uh, Marshall Harper Holding Garner. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for listening. <laughs> the Athletic. <laughs>